Well, good morning, church. Notice we're taking the offering up before the sermon. So that way, that way you're not paying for the sermon. Hey, if you, uh, if you stopped in this morning, uh, you probably saw a little business card on your uh, chair or the chair next to you. Uh, if you haven't registered for the Resist the, Drift Re- Resist the Drift Conference, I encourage you to do that. 50 bucks. If that is a hindrance, please uh, uh, call the office, and we, we do have some scholarships available for folks. We don't want that to be a, an inhibitor to that. Uh, also, take this card and give it to a friend, a neighbor, a family member, regardless of whether or not they're having trouble. We don't, not everybody coming to the conference has having marriage trouble, uh, by God's grace. But uh, I, we have somewhere in the mid-40s registered. My prayer is that we'll hit 50. Uh, so we'll have 100 people here, uh, and uh, we do have some single folks who have registered as well. Uh, they want to come and, and get some lessons before they go into that, and I think that's awesome as well. It should be a wonderful time, uh, lighthearted, and then we're looking toward um, <clears throat> some follow-up events after the new year. Uh, so we're not just doing this and leaving folks hanging. We really want to walk with folks uh, who uh, want to invite Christ into their marriage and uh, rediscover the joy of their relationship with one another. So I hope that you'll consider that and um, <clears throat> pick this card up and take it and give it to a friend. Uh, I, don't, wh- when is the, I don't know exactly when the deadline is, but even if you register and they say you can't, call the church office because we want to get you in. So I think you have all of this week uh, to get ready. But if you're like me, you always think, well, I got a couple more days. And then suddenly you're like, I should have done that three days ago. So uh, we don't want that to happen. So I hope that you'll take some time. And as a matter of fact, if the sermon gets slow, (laughs) just pull out your phone. Go to southsub.church and register during that. So we'll see how that works for you. Um, We are in the middle of a stewardship series. Um, God knows that life that is lived generously, lived generously here, near, and far, God knows that a life lived generously brings true joy. Uh, So uh, here, near, and far, we categorize our outreach ministries in that way here, stuff that happens in this building, uh, and and maybe out to its, uh, just beyond its boundaries, near our community and far the world. And uh, so uh, uh, today, in just a few moments, I'm going to invite Erica and Mick Salisi. Did I do that really well? Amen. They're going to come forward in just a little bit and talk about Witsamagili. I ought to get an award for this. I just am telling you. And uh, we're excited. They have their family with them. Uh, What's really important that I hope that you'll do is is between the services and our student center, uh, Levi's house, the old sanctuary, uh, that they'll be gathering there. Last week, we thought that uh, we uh, uh, met with North Littleton Promise. We thought that we would have a few people there, and we kept having to set up chairs. So that was exciting. So we hope that you'll come and be a part of that. And then next week, we're going to be meeting um, with love in the name of Christ, and uh, we're going to hear a little bit more about our ministries there. So I'd like to invite uh, uh, Mixelisi and Erica forward. They can bring their family if they want. I think that'd be awesome if they want to come up here, and they can talk a little bit about uh, uh, what they are doing and what we are privileged to partner with them as they do the work of Christ uh, uh, across the world. Eswatini. Good morning. Um, thank you guys for having us. As Ike said, um, I'm Erica. I'm Erica Zeiler. I was here for several years, a while ago. Um, now Erica Mieni. And this is my husband, Mkulisi, and our kids, Simeon, Nomsa, and Zeiler. 
and we are just honored to be here today and thankful for the partnership that we have with South Suburban. Um, we run a ministry called Waitsembegile over in Eswatini. Waitsembegile means God is faithful in the local language there, and Eswatini is one of the tiny little landlocked countries in South Africa, so it borders the edge of Mozambique a little bit also. Um, but we run a ministry down there in the rural areas, and we're getting ready to move back over there in January. Um, and our vision over there is to see healthy Swazi churches reaching and taking care of their communities. Um, so just as you guys are doing here in the South Denver area, that's our vision over there. But unfortunately, there aren't really a lot of healthy churches, and there are a ton of really, really big needs. Um, and so you guys are coming alongside us in partnership, and we're excited to see where that goes in the future. You know, Lord willing, um, as travel continues to open up, we'd love to host a team from South Suburban over there to serve with us sometime. And um, as we get back over there, we, right now we have three community centers where we do feeding programs um, six days a week. And then we'll be starting more with discipleship and other programming as we get back over there in January. So. Thank you guys for your partnership. And as Erica said, we are really excited for what the future holds. May God bless you Thank you, church. Give them a round of applause. I've uh, been privileged to be present with them as they have spoke on several occasions. And what I absolutely love is their family comes with them. And you are a blessing. Thank you for your witness. Uh, thank you for these beautiful children that you have brought into the world as, uh, as they're being raised in the love and admonition of the Lord. Uh, great gift for, uh, for this church to be able to partner with you, and we look forward to many years uh, to come. So uh, we want to also take an opportunity right now before we get into a word to welcome our online church this morning. We have folks joining us from all over the country online. Church, would you welcome those who are joining us online? If you have your Bibles with you, or your tablets, or your phones, or however you read God's Word, I encourage you to turn to a passage of Scripture that I bet you know by heart, John chapter 3, verse 16. You've at least seen it at a football game, I know, come on. <laughs> you probably know it by heart, my mother made me learn it in the King James Version, so, uh, but John three 16, I'm also going to be reading verse 17, so here we go. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Church, say amen. amen. Here ends the reading of God's holy and perfect word. Amen. You know, I grew up in a little Christian church in a little town of about 2,000 people. If we had 30 people at church on Sunday, it was crowded. And like many kids, whether you're in a little church or a big church, we all had to learn John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. My mother, being the, shrew, I mean, the wonderful mother that she was, <laughs> made me learn. Thankfully, she doesn't have a computer, so she can't join us online. Uh, John 3.17. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. That's what I grew up memorizing that was important in our church, in our children's ministry, in our family. Those two verses were the foundation of our faith together, of our evangelical faith together 
as we sought to live and serve God uh, in that little Christian church, the big red door church there in Snow Hill, Maryland. Now, some of you are probably sitting there thinking, now, wait a minute, I thought this was a stewardship series. Isn't this supposed to be about stewardship? You know, about us giving money to the church. Just give me a minute, okay? Well, now, for many folks, these words, John 3, 16 and 17, and really mainly just John 3, 16, sort of hang out in the air somewhere. I mean, we know the verse, we know the words of the verse, they're important, they're essential to our faith, we could probably quote them anywhere to anyone, but most of us, if we're honest, probably don't know a whole lot about the context of this verse. Like, well, where does this verse sit in the middle of? What's the story that surrounds this verse? So I want to take some time this morning to look at the context of John 3.16, which goes back to John chapter 3, verse 1. And really, to get a real a deep understanding, you kind of have to read the entirety of the Gospel of John so that you can see uh, the, the, the main themes that are going through the gospel. Now, this is not in my manuscript. I am not getting paid for this, but I want to put a little plug in for the series, The Chosen. You may have heard about The Chosen. It's available online. You can go to YouTube. It is completely free. You can make donations if you like. And, and you know, it, it's a wonderful series. It's a new retelling of the gospel story of Jesus and his disciples I am overwhelmed by it. I, 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 I made a bet with the staff. Don't, don't tell anybody I made a bet with the staff. But I said, if you start watching it and you don't like it, I'll pay you 10 bucks. And no one has asked me for 10 bucks. Now, I don't know if it's because I'm the senior pastor and they don't want to come ask the senior pastor for 10 bucks. But I would make the same charge with you, except it's only going to be five bucks with you. There's too many of you. But I bet that if you watch it and if you don't like it, I'll have Pastor Joe give you five bucks. So... <laughs> The context really goes back to uh, John chapter 3, verse 1, and, and uh, John, uh, as, as, and in that series, you, you have Matthew and, and, and John, and at some points they talk with each other, and it's a wonderful, wonderful uh, uh, rendition of how the gospel writers look at the life and teachings of Jesus and see that from different perspectives. And that's what I love about our Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the synoptic Gospels, that is, Gospels that basically deal about the same thing, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And then John, which really takes more of a deeper dive into who Jesus is and what it is Jesus has come to reveal about the truth of who he is. John chapter 3, verse 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Now, a lot of scholars believe that Nicodemus is showing Jesus a level of great respect here, calls him rabbi. He honors Jesus when he compliments him, saying that he's a great teacher from God. But in these words, especially if you read it in the full context of the entire gospel, there's this idea that in the midst of Nicodemus' words, there's some apprehension, some uncertainty. Not at all unlike how many of us are when we are feeling some of the same things that I suspect Nicodemus is feeling. Concern about who this rabbi is. Apprehension about how life will be different 
if I accept what this rabbi is teaching, if I accept who this rabbi is. And the uncertainty of what it will mean in my life if I become a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, Nicodemus' worldview is pretty simple. It's probably not unlike the worldview of most people in the world. Be good. I mean, you get it from when you're a kid, right? Do good. And if you are good and you do good, then God will reward you. That's sort of the basic, simplistic understanding of our relationship with God for many people in the world. Our job is to give our good gifts to God. And if we give our good gifts to God, if we give God what is ours, then God rewards us. Can I, can I be a little harsh here? That is a belief that is from the very pits of hell. That is not what Christianity teaches. Nicodemus doesn't really see Jesus for who Jesus really is. He doesn't understand that Jesus is God the Son. That Jesus is the Son of God. That Jesus is divine. Now John sets up every single story in his gospel with that foundation. You have to get that when you read John. It goes all the way back to John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word... And the Word was with God, and the Word, what? Was God. Now, now Nicodemus is pretty sure that Jesus is special. Are, are, you, are you thinking about any exchanges that you've had with coworkers, or, or family members, or your neighbors? Most everybody thinks that Jesus was a, well, pretty good guy. I mean, after all, he has power over sickness. He's able to cure people of their diseases. He even has control over evil spirits. And most folks probably would even be willing to admit that he is from God. Now, I think Nicodemus isn't really sure about who Jesus is, about what this is going to require of him. He, he doesn't really understand the context of who this preacher from Galilee is and what he's doing. And because of that, he's pretty wise, so he's respectful. Well, at least he's as respectful as he can be until he gets a reason not to be respectful anymore. I wonder if Nicodemus is coming to Jesus not just to understand him, but also to to see if he can put Jesus in a box. That's what most of us want to do. We want to put God in a box. All right, <clears throat> Lord, what is it exactly in my life that you want to claim? What parts of my life do you want to have control over? And I will consider whether or not I want to relinquish those parts to you how do we relate to jesus christ how do we relate to god now, now some of you are probably thinking uh pastor i'm not sure if you remember but this is stewardship 
this is nice and all, but I don't really know what this has to do with covering our $200,000 deficit that we're looking at at the end of the program year, preacher! Just, just, just give me a few more minutes, okay? Just a few more minutes. Nicodemus calls Jesus rabbi. Now, that's what, that's what Jesus is. Rabbi means teacher. But Jesus is more than a rabbi. John reminds us this in chapter 1. We've already talked about this. When Jesus is the Word, the Word's with God, the Word was God, remember? But Nicodemus says to Jesus, you are a teacher, which is true. But is that, and this is just a question for you to consider, is that sort of Nicodemus's way of reinforcing Jesus's humanity as primary? Something that John spends most of his gospel trying to correct. Matter of fact, John has written in a time when, when, when the church specifically is struggling, the Jewish community who is trying to understand and reconcile this guy who calls himself the Messiah, who says that he is I am, who dies, and now we have all of the testimonies that he's been raised again. So everybody's struggling at the time John's writing this gospel. Who is Jesus? As a matter of fact, Nicodemus even says in this text, you come from God. Not, you are God, come to us. Hmm? Now, I don't want to dismiss Nicodemus. He is, after all, a Pharisee, and I don't want to get into a fight with a Pharisee, at least not today. Pharisees were a sect of teachers in the time of Jesus who were very conservative. The Pharisees believed that following the law to the letter was the most important thing you could do. As a matter of fact, they were so serious about following the law that they gave us laws to help us follow the laws. As a matter of fact, there are in the Torah itself, just in the Old Testament itself, Torah is the first five books, uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, 613 laws that teach us what God understands holiness to be. And the Pharisees added literally thousands more. Now, the Pharisees weren't big fans of Jesus. You probably know that having read your Bible. They thought Jesus was a lawbreaker not a lawmaker, that Jesus broke the laws of Moses because he ignored the laws of the Pharisees, laws that were not from God, but were from human origin. At no point in the entirety of the Gospels does Jesus ever violate the laws of Moses. He fully adheres to the 613 laws of the Torah. Now, the laws they made up to follow the laws, well, that was fair game in Jesus' mind. And so this is probably why Nicodemus came to Jesus at night. He couldn't risk his fellow Pharisees seeing him visit Jesus. Nicodemus is a member of a group called the Sanhedrin, which is a group of about 70 men. Sorry, ladies, it was just men back then. Maybe that's why we got into so much trouble, amen? 
See, I know that section over there really good now. Well, the Sanhedrin, their job was to decide issues around religious, civil, and social issues of the people, sometimes even economic and financial, particularly in the city of Jerusalem, but by extension to all of Judaism throughout the ancient world. Well, I mean, at least Nicodemus did come to Jesus, right? He had seen, he had heard, he knew that there was something about this Jesus that he needed to discern. Yoo-hoo, pastor, this is about stewardship. Yes, 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 yes. So John records, see how I'm ignoring you? So John records Nicodemus three times in the Gospel of John. The first is John chapter 7, verse 51. Uh, well, actually, this is the first <laughs> that I read to you from John chapter 3. The second one is John chapter 7, verse 51, when Nic Nicodemus encourages the rulers to at least listen to Jesus before they accuse him of any wrongdoing. He's actually kind of the good guy in the midst of everybody foaming at the, at the mouth. You, you know how it is. When two or three people start complaining in a group of ten, then all ten start complaining. Isn't it amazing how negativity can grow like crazy? And Nicodemus is this one sole voice in the midst of this huge crowd of folks who are trying to, to, to call down the fires of heaven on Jesus. Nic Nicodemus, let's just at least listen to him. The uh, other time, uh, the, the, actually I, I'll, I'll read some of this from John chapter 7. It actually begins in verse 40. When they heard these words, some of the people said, this really is the prophet. Others said, this is the Christ. And the Pharisees answered them, have you also been deceived? Have any of the authorities or the Pharisees believed in him? But this crowd that does not know the law is accursed? This is a really fancy way of them saying, y'all aren't Pharisees. Hush up and sit down. We'll tell you what's from God and what's not from God. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Verse 50, Nicodemus, who had gone to him before, and who was one of them. So at this point, Nicodemus has actually become a secret follower of Jesus. Says to them, verse 51, Does our law judge a man without first giving him a hearing and learning what he does? Even in the midst of being a follower, he still doesn't understand that it's not just about what Jesus does, but it's about who Jesus is. The third time John mentions Nicodemus is John 19, verses 39 through 40, where Nicodemus brings myrrh and aloes to anoint the body of Jesus after his death. Verse 39, Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night, that's how John always refers to him, by the way, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds in weight. So they took the body of Jesus, bound it in linen cloths with the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. Ugh, Pastor Ike, this is about stewardship. You're supposed to tell us why we should be giving more, why we should be doing more outreach. You ought to be talking uh, to us about how we can be engaged, how we can make a difference in the world and all of that. Yeah, I know. So at the beginning, Nicodemus wanted so badly to have Jesus answer his questions. 
He wanted Jesus to fit his expectation of what he should be teaching. He wanted Jesus to confirm his hopes of what would change Jerusalem. Is Jesus a mere man? Is he a human being? Well, yeah, I mean, Jesus is. He is human, fully human, the church says. Nicodemus might have been thinking, can he be somebody who can be controlled? It's funny how we like to control our leaders, our preachers, our pastors, our elders, how we like to control our spouses, our children, how we like to control the world around us. I really think Nicodemus was hoping that maybe if Jesus could be controlled, if he could have been brought in line with the prevailing ideas of what the Jewish faith really is, the rigors of religious obligations that the Pharisees had developed, something positive might come from it. You see where I'm going here with this? Too many of us come to the faith expecting God to fit our expectations. Affecting, expecting Jesus to fulfill what we think Jesus ought to do. How our life should be different according to our expectations of what would be best for our life. Well, Jesus doesn't really waste much time telling Nicodemus about the gospel. Christ knows Nicodemus's heart. Y'all remember that from last week? And unlike so many of us, Jesus was able to respond not just to Nicodemus's statement, but to Nicodemus's heart and answer the real question, answer the real reason that wasn't actually said. And what's the question? It's the same question all of us bring to Jesus. Who are you? How can I know you? I'm afraid of what accepting who you are will mean in my life. What are you calling me to sacrifice? <laughs> Hold on to that. Here in John... Jesus describes salvation as a new birth. It's a unique birth, not unlike the actual birth that we all have experienced. The birth of a baby is a miraculous thing. Each time I have witnessed the literal, actual birth of our children, I have been in awe. I, I, every time a new life is held in my hands that bears a name that my wife and I give to them, I am overwhelmed with the responsibility <clears throat> that God is trusting their physical and spiritual growth to us. Sometimes I can't even imagine how folks cannot believe God exists 
not, not just the God of, 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 of Abraham and, and Isaac and Jacob, the one that we confess as the one true God, but any divine being. Man, life is a gift, isn't it? And one of the things that I love about our church is our desire to pass on the gifts of ministry to the generations that follow us. It's one of the reasons as we have done these videos, we haven't just done the video of the wise seasoned one, but the ones in their lives to whom they are handing that work and that faith on to. A father and a son, a mother and a son, or today a grandfather, along with his parents, to a grandson. Would you direct your attention to our screens now? Thanks for joining us again today. We're here with Randy Donay and Cooper Woolley uh, as they have agreed to join us as we look at Live Generously Near in our series, Live Generously Here, Near, and Far. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, tell me a little bit, how did you come to be a part of this congregation? Well, we came, moved here from Springfield, Missouri about 31 years ago, and we've been members here ever since. It's been a, a blessed time, and uh, we've gotten to know a lot of people and do a lot of ministries close to our church and you raised your kids here and now your grandson is here grandchildren are here this is the only church you've ever known yes that's the only church i've ever been to that's awesome well thank you uh for picking this church to raise your family and your and your grand family in as well so you you're both really involved not only in the congregation but in the community tell me a little bit about some of the things that you're involved in well a couple of things i'm involved in include north Littleton promise I coach soccer there. We've been active members there for close to 20 years. Also with love in the name of Christ, we currently do some activities with their Furnishing Hope ministry and also their Renewed Treasures thrift store. And, and you've been one of the major folks working with us to get us connected with Mount Air Christian Church and the ministries we do there. Thank you for all you do. And tell me some of the things that you're involved in, Coop. Um, so I help with VBS and a lot of the trunk or tree and Easter stuff that we do. Um, I really like helping with VBS. It, I get to do the sports and activities outside that we do. Um, and just kind of seeing the kids that come in and the community that we can bring in is awesome. And, and you do some other stuff in the community as well. What, what, yeah. Tell me a little bit about that. Um, so I uh, ref hockey. I also coach uh, my little brother's hockey team and kind of the teams that they have here at their program and getting to hang out and see those kids and see them smile and do something they like to do. It's uh, great to watch. In many ways, you live generously near, involved in the community, in the ministries in our church that are intentionally organized to be in the community. I'm really grateful for all the work that you do. Um, let me ask you this. When you think about uh, live generously near, what does that mean to you? Why does that matter? Um, I feel like it matters because it brings the community together and it really ties in uh, everybody and it puts a great cause and effect on people's lives and uh, just to get an impact on other people is just a great thing to have. Well, finally, you know, most of the folks that we've been talking to are parent-child. Here we got a grandfather-grandson. But let me ask you, Randy, 
as you think about Coop and his future, what is it that you hope he carries on in his life living generously? You know, Coop's my oldest grandson, and I'm so proud to be able to, to work together with him and the things we do in the community. You know, we, we coach together, we do things with VBS together. He's a, a deacon here at church. And what I'd like to see is, and I'm already seeing it, is him just taking what he knows and feels from the love of Christ in his life and sharing it with those around him, whether it's family or, or sports or just helping here at church. Guys, thank you. Thank you for living generously here, near, and far, especially living generously near. God bless you. Appreciate all you do. Thanks for You know, the birth of Jesus <clears throat> is referencing an even greater birth for us. In just a few weeks, we're going to be headed toward a celebration of that birth, of that new life brought into the world. But the birth that God is calling each of you to today is a birth to be born again. A birth that we watch when we pull the poor dead soul out of the watery grave of baptism. A birth that we see when a person's life is changed. A birth that changes who we are because of who Jesus is. For all who have been born of their mother, the Bible says, are destined to die. That's something joyful to think about, isn't it? But the one who was born again, the one who was born again, the one who was born from above is destined for eternal life in the kingdom of God. The birth that I pray for you, whether you're here in person or online, the birth that I pray for you is a birth that rescues the condemned and redirects the believer to an eternal destiny, being present with God. A birth that gives us new desires, new values, new priorities, new hopes, and new attitudes. It's a new birth that is of eternal importance as Jesus uses these words and the text today. Truly, truly, Jesus says. Now, now here's, a, here's a little hint. Whenever you see truly, truly, you need to pay attention because what Jesus is about to say is real important. What is about to come afterwards is of supreme importance. A statement that clearly shows us that the effort is not our own. Not our work. Not by our strength. Not through our intellect. But it is through Christ's. You see, Jesus is calling Nicodemus to a revolutionary realization Nicodemus, Jesus is saying, you are spending your life trying to get to God. Does this fit anybody? You're spending your life trying to figure out what you can give to God so that God will accept you. To justify yourself through what you do and through who you think you are. And I am here to plead with you, that is not possible. So God came to us. 
That's the gospel. That God clothed himself with flesh and came to us. And here in this moment, just before Jesus gives us this verse that has stood the test of time and is known by so many and understood by so few, Nicodemus is being called to lay down any notion that it's his righteousness. It is Christ's righteousness. That there is no gift that Nicodemus can bring. And that is a startling revelation. And brothers and sisters, I suggest to you that it is also liberating. It calls us to the boldness of humility. It calls us to exercise the strength of giving up. It reminds us that the victory comes through surrender. Now wait a minute, Pastor. This is a stewardship sermon, and, 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 and you're talking about we don't have anything to give? There's nothing that I can give? Yeah. Startling, isn't it? Probably not the best way to run a stewardship campaign. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that he, that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. No. But in order that the world might be saved through him. Pastor, are you saying this is a stewardship verse? My, my, my Sunday school teacher told me it was about salvation. I know it's about salvation because my grandmother said so. Well, yeah. But it's about a generous God who owns everything. A God who has given us the universe, food, water, air, land, those things that we generally think of as our stuff that happens to be around us, that we manipulate, that we make something out of, that we monetize, that we market. If we really want to understand generosity, don't come and listen to me try to tell you ways in which you can be more generous. My role and my job is this, to show you and to preach to the world the generosity of God. That's why this is a stewardship service. There's a story about a small town pastor who loved to take walks, especially walks along a dirt road past an old rundown cottage 
where there had been a little garden, but now had grown up into weeds. Well, one day, as all of us think that we might do, a retired executive bought the old house and land. This executive had always wanted to live a simple life, and he commenced to fixing up the small cottage, repairing the picket fence, trimming the trees, clearing the small garden of the weeds, planting some vegetables and flowers around the house. After about several months of hard work, the small garden began to produce some tomatoes and cucumbers, peppers and a few sunflowers. With flowers around the house, they all bloomed, and that fresh coat of paint on that cottage and the repairs around that fence had made that small cottage and garden a picturesque landscape worthy of a greeting card. Well, the pastor, who liked to take these daily walks, seeing the retired executive weeding the garden, stopped and said, You know what? You and the Lord really have made this cottage and garden something to behold. And the retired executive said, Well, you should have seen when the Lord was just doing it himself. Isn't that how we all think? And that little small town pastor said, oh, I don't know. When you remember that we too are God's creation, it kind of changes the whole perspective, doesn't it? Yes, this is a stewardship sermon, but one that changes the perspective and the characters. Because you see, maybe the proper view of stewardship isn't about what we can do for God, but what God has done for us perhaps it isn't about trying to persuade you to be more generous but for us together seeing the generosity of god and we being made in his image as the holy spirit gets into our hearts maybe then we become more like christ living generously here near and far If there is someone here who hasn't been born again, I pray that this day, as the Holy Spirit whispers into your heart, who do you say that Jesus is, that you would say he is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and I accept him as my Lord and Savior. If that's a decision that you've made today, I pray that after the service you'll come to the front and let one of our elders know that together we can begin walking with you. If you're joining us online, that you'll click that button and let us know so we can walk with you in your life as well. Let's pray. Merciful God, forgive us when we have thought that Stewardship was only about what we can give to you. And we never once stop to think that you have given us so much. Your only begotten Son. Thank you for being a generous God. A God who loved us so much that you were willing to bear the yoke of sin and brokenness and death on the cross that we might have eternal life. And Lord, if there's someone here in this room or online today that has made the decision to follow you, as they are reborn in this moment, O oh God, 
May their lives, their perspectives, and their hearts be joined to yours. In Jesus' name, amen.